0: Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. you heard my story before but I'm going to start with a a story about my family Um, after my parents divorce uh, I was age 17 there was a time that me and my middle brother Brad uh, we we lived with my dad in a single wide mobile home trailer and uh, shout out to all you mobile trailer people (laughs) It was, but it it was was this, it was was a really terrible looking trailer, and it was on this really bad piece of property on the poor side of town, uh, weed infested uh, in Grand Junction, Colorado. And it was a very difficult time in our lives. My dad, who had been really been a pastor all of his life, um, after the divorce, couldn't find work couldn't find a job, and so he did a bunch of odd jobs just to kind of make ends meet. Unfortunately, ends never seemed to meet. So uh, it was my senior year in high school when all this is going down. My family had fallen apart, my church had split apart, and my girlfriend had broken my heart. I know. <laughs> it was really, really Sad. It was a very sad year. But I remember coming home from school or, or, or work. I worked at Wendy's on North Avenue. Um, and, or maybe we come home from church from time to time and seeing grocery bags on our front porch. Someone had gone shopping and bought us groceries. And even as I tell the story, the emotions uh, fled back. That worship time didn't help because I was like a a pool of tears. Somebody took the time to go shop for us and buy stuff that we never normally bought. I'm talking about Captain Crunch, do you know what I'm saying? broccoli It was it was amazing to come home and realize that somebody had seen us It was amazing it was a gift that meant God saw us God knew our story and he was near And the weird thing is, I didn't really know how poor we were at that time. You know what I'm saying? If you grew up poor, you kind of know what I'm talking about. But I have some idea now as I look back how much I needed to know that God was with us, was with me and for me, for my dad, for my mom, for my brothers. And that bag of groceries made me feel like I was seen and embraced by the love and the mercy and provision of God. Somehow I imagine that's how the first people to hear Jesus' Sermon on the Mount might have felt that day as he began to explain how the kingdom of God comes to the poor. You know, we're in this series and today I want to talk about this first statement, but we're gonna read the whole thing. Matthew chapter five, verse one through 12. Let's read it together. It says, now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness for theirs is the kingdom of heaven blessed are you when people insult you persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you when Jesus began to speak it's important to realize who he was speaking to As he lifted his head and began to speak to the crowd of people that had gathered, it was a crowd of the unlikely, the outcast, the insignificant, the overlooked, the undervalued, the poor, the weary, the wandering, the worn out, and the out of options. To the sick, the demonized, to the marginalized, the people on the outskirts, to those who felt cursed even. When Jesus saw these people, he began by saying they were blessed, which was news to them. Jesus begins his sermon with this list called the Beatitudes. Everybody say it? Beatitudes. Fun word to know and say. It's a Latin word that comes from beatis, meaning blessed. Blessed. The Greek word chosen by Matthew is makarios, and it's translated Fortunate happy, favored, even lucky. And it's important to realize that these blessings declared by Jesus were not prescriptive. They weren't prescribing a way for us to live, although some of these ideas are indeed things worth chasing. But they are descriptive. They describe what the kingdom of God is actually like. If you think about it and you read carefully, what you notice is that Jesus himself was the character of each of these items in this list. His nature. Jesus is not saying that these people are blessed because of their situations, but in spite of their situations. See, Jesus is describing an upside down world or perhaps maybe we could say it a right way up world. And he's saying that with his work in the world, something is happening. It's starting to come true. These people are blessed because they are the first to receive the kingdom of God. They're the first to hear this incredible news. What Jesus is saying to the marginalized, poor person on that hillside all those centuries ago seems like a long way sometimes from the hill country of Central Texas. Here we are in a nice building. You guys are decently dressed, most of you. <laughs> we're, in, we're in Southwest Austin. Many of you work from home, have the, your, the freedom of a schedule that you put in place. Most of us appear to be well-fed. There's no bombing going on in our city. It's hard for us sometimes to hear Jesus' words travel from the first century to the 21st century and have the same impact on it as it had on those people. Mostly peasants who followed Jesus to that place because they were in desperate need for what Jesus offered healing for the suffering sick woman with nowhere to go, a miracle for the grieving father whose child had just died. The problem is, (laughs) most of us aren't poor. Think about it, most of us, (laughs) think of it, most of you live in a place, in a home that has a room designed and designated where your clothes live. (laughs) Clothes you don't wear, by the way. For us, the kingdom of heaven can seem like a nice idea if we have time for it. And only if it seriously changes our lifestyle. For us, the kingdom of heaven can seem like a strange idea. Like, as Americans, we're not really into the monarchy thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, we don't quite get how this works. That's sort of a British kind of deal, right? Weird hats, big weddings, tabloid news. It's, it's like, th- that's that thing. We're more of a democracy kind of people. You know, like, we, we have a voice, a vote. We vote people in offices and out of office every two years, mostly out of office because we don't like them. Because we have an opinion, and we have a right to our opinion. We have rights, lots of rights and lots of opinions, and we have a right to our opinion. And so we're not really sure how this king thing works, this kingdom that Jesus is talking about. America's the land of the free and the home of the brave. We pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. We know what we're doing. We're the world's greatest superpower. At least I think we still are. I'm not sure. We have the greatest economy in the world, right? We produce so much stuff. So much stuff. So many great options for entertainment and fun. I got like 362 apps right there on my phone. I can buy anything I want. I can watch any show I want. I can, I can do anything I want. I can talk to anybody I want, seriously. I can talk to thousands of people with one tweet. How messed up is that? it can skew what Jesus is trying to say to people who don't have any options. So when Jesus begins this list of blessings with the poor, we have to find a way for his words to penetrate our hearts. Maybe if we could put ourselves in the shoes of the poor person. They don't have shoes. This is so hard. Let's try it. Let's read the first blessing and see if we can wrap our heads and our hearts around what Jesus is saying to these people about the kingdom of heaven that's coming to them. He says, blessed, fortunate, happy, favored, lucky are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now the 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 poor people that Jesus was talking to had no safety net, no government help, No soup kitchens, no organizations to take the edge off of the hardship that they faced. As I said last week, it would have surprised Jesus' listeners when he announced that the poor are blessed. This doesn't make any sense. It's not just in America that we think that prosperity is the sign of God's blessing. The Jewish people had this mindset as well. The Greeks had it as well. This thinking persists throughout history every Jew would have known that um, the best Jew is not a poor Jew, but a rich Jew. And there's some good reason for this because even in the scriptures, we see some ideas, very familiar scriptures, that seem to articulate that blessings mean strength and wealth, like Psalm 144 Verse 13 through 15 says, Our barns will be filled with every kind of provision. Our sheep will increase by thousands, by tens of thousands in our fields. Our oxen will draw heavy loads. There will be no breaching of walls, no going into captivity, no cry of distress in our streets. Blessed is the people of whom this is true. Blessed is the people whose God is the Lord. Today, we have trouble, though, still thinking, Of the people living their dreams as the ones who have all the money, the material possessions, the kids who are doing well, those are the fortunate ones, the famous people, the social media influencers, the ones held up before us in our culture, the rich, the powerful, the successful, these are the blessed ones. Many Christians today innocently regard financial improvement as blessings from God a promotion, a new house, an unexpected successful investment. These are what we would call blessings and, let me say, rightly so. You can attribute these blessings from God and it is good to thank the Lord for what you have. It's just that the human nature that lives inside of all of us always wants more. So we start to think we're not blessed when we really are. It's good to give thanks to the Lord, it's good to credit him with our increase and to give him the the, the honor and the praise that he's due like we did this morning. Gratitude is a way of remaining God-reliant. Gratitude is a thing that's so helpful. Even people who don't know God, don't know anything about Jesus, they understand the wonder and the beauty and the power of gratitude. As a person, I always think it's funny, though, when people talk about gratitude, who are they thanking? (laughs) But a simplistic, absolute association of divine blessing with material abundance, that's not without its dangers. That's why the apostle Paul warned the church pastored by his young son in the faith, Timothy. In 1 Timothy 6, 6, he says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. You see, money isn't always a blessing from God. Sometimes it's a test. Sometimes it's a temptation, a burden, a trap, a soul-piercing grief. That's why we have to dig down within the Scripture and never take it out of context. Always look to who the original writer or speaker was talking to. We have to be very careful about unequivocally applying Scripture with simplistic certainty. You gotta dig down, you gotta study it to study the scriptures and what God is trying to say because what's happening here on the sermon on the mount is Jesus is turning everything that they'd kind of known the society they lived in where all the religious people were a uppity group of people the elite super smart and super rich Jesus was turning the whole thing on its head So neither should we take Jesus' words here in the Sermon on the Mount and immediately jump to the spiritual application to the, of the idea of repentance. If we do that, we won't learn about what Jesus is saying here in a deeper context. It's the idea that repentance, realizing you are impoverished in your soul, you have nothing in and of yourself to reach God. That's a good word, and it's appropriate to, to say that's what, part of what Jesus was talking about in this passage. That is a good way to interpret this passage, and I've spoken on this many times. Repentance is a gift from God, and once you realize how poverty-stricken you are in your spirit, in your soul, the better off you'll be. You'll see that you need Jesus to come into your life. You'll realize without Jesus, you'll never understand. You'll never realize how poor and blind and helpless you really are. But there's this pitfall on the other side of the passage. Are you guys still with me? On the other side of the passage, like ignoring the essence of who the poor are and, and even making a virtue out of poverty itself. That's not right either. We can't claim that the Lord's blessing is just on those who choose poverty. This too misses the point of what Jesus is trying to say here. It's not more spiritually mature to be more poor. Jesus purposely creates a startling incongruence here for the people on the hillside to surprise them. It's it's like a jarring dissonance that they're trying to figure out the Jewish notion of the blessed life versus the life that Jesus is now calling blessed. Because Jesus is illustrating a paradox. That's a fun word to know and say. Say it, it's a paradox. He's, He's making a paradox out of the gospel of the kingdom. It has not come to the ones who you would have supposed. It has come to the poor. But they're not being praised for being poor. They are receiving an unlikely announcement that in spite of being lowly and powerless, they are receiving the kingdom of heaven with all of its power and the power of God behind it. Martin Luther, careful, to make neither poverty nor prosperity. The point says that Jesus is exhorting his followers in this way. He says if they are a failure, if they have to suffer poverty and do without riches, power, honor, and good days, they will still be blessed and have not a temporal reward but a different eternal one. They will have enough in the kingdom of heaven. See, Jesus' purpose on this hillside was not to move people into a higher tax bracket. Sometimes we, we know that the gospel has been twisted a little bit to hold something out here and say, well, if you'll just follow Jesus, you'll get wealthier. Most of those people left that day hearing this message of the kingdom in the same economic situation they came in. Jesus is teaching that the blessing is in receiving the power of the kingdom of God. The poor, the ones who are marginalized by society are the ones who will enjoy God's rule. They get to participate in what God is doing. They will have a part in bringing his order into the world and setting things right. For that, they are blessed. Because they're included. And yet there are more layers to these words of Jesus that must be absorbed into our hearts and minds to help us understand exactly what Jesus is trying to convey. One of my good friends, the Reverend Dr. Glenn Packiam, wrote a book about the Beatitudes called Lucky. And he observes three biblical layers that I think are worth visiting here. Three biblical layers of the poor that help us see how we can receive what Jesus is saying. Okay, the first one is the poor as the powerless. In the Old Testament, the poor refers to those who are materially poor for sure. They didn't have, they were the destitute. The Torah is full of reminders to care for those who are poor. How to be mindful of them and never, never exploit them but it's more than just dictionary definitions, isn't it? When we immerse ourselves in the story of Israel, the story of God's people, we soon see that the, the poor become not just a reference to the certain, this certain economic category based on status, it becomes a metaphor for those who are powerless. In the first five books of the scripture, in the Old Testament, God instructs Israel to never treat a brother like a slave, Even if a person's property drives him to sell himself to another. That's Leviticus 25. If you hire a poor person, whether an Israelite or a foreigner, you should pay him before the sun goes down at the end of the day because the poor man is relying on it to survive. That's Deuteronomy 24. See, when God does this, when God does this, it means the poor now have a face. You can't just put them in a category. It actually becomes personal. Personal. If, that, if it is that person who is, you see their face, you know who they are, so desperate that she's trying to sell herself as your slave, then you have to do something that lifts her up. It's that man you hired who's counting on today for his daily bread. The poor is the powerless, the one who depends on another. Check this out the one who depends on another for his own survival. That's the picture Jesus is painting here. Number two, the poor as God's people, Israel. As we go through the Old Testament, as you read through the story of God's people, as you, as you <clears throat> actually dive into the songs and the prayers of God's people, you could see it everywhere. The poor is no longer a way of looking at the demographic of Israel's society, it becomes a way of describing the plight of God's people herself. Israel's overrun by her enemies, attacked by bandits, threatened by expanding empires, Assyria and Egypt and Babylon, and they're overtaken and Israel becomes the marginalized and the oppressed. She is the poor. See, if you don't understand that most of the Bible is written to a group of people that are in this poor situation, you will not read the Bible accurately. That's why it's so hard for us in a prosperous situation to understand what's really being said sometimes. Here, look at this. Psalm Psalm 35 says, contend, O Lord, with those who contend with me, David prayed. Fight against those who fight against me. Take up shield and buckler, arise and come to my aid. Then my soul will rejoice in the Lord and delight in his salvation. My whole being will exclaim, who is like you, O Lord? You rescue the poor from those too strong for them, the poor and needy from those who rob them. Hey, one chapel, listen to me closely. God's people are not exempt from such poverty and even powerlessness. We also find ourselves besieged and surrounded in situations beyond our control. We are poor in the sense that we must look to the only one who can save us. And that's kind of our problem in America. We almost always have other options. But it is in these prayers and songs of Israel that we see an even deeper layer, number three, an even deeper layer as we see ourselves and try to put ourselves into the situation of those people that Jesus was talking to, the poor as the God-dependent. The poor as the God-dependent. In the hymn book of Israel, the Psalms, we see that the poor are God-reliant. They have, they have set their attention and their focus, and their eyes upon the Lord as their only savior. The reality is it's been there all along. All through the biblical story, it was God himself, Yahweh, who gave instructions to Israel about how to treat the poor, the alien, the foreigner, the ones who had no means of providing for themselves. See, he was telling them how to treat them because he wanted them to learn how he treats Israel. Did you follow that? That was a little confusing there but I want you to see it God was their defender seeing ahead of their need and making provision for it for his people always taking special note of those who'd come to the end of their rope in the Psalms in prayer and worship the poor freely admit their dependence upon God listen to me Smalls you got to understand I just want to see if you were listening. <laughs> what we did this morning in coming to worship is entering into the realization, the belief that we have no options without God. And some for some of you that's easy because you're facing really hard things right now that you can't fix. But for so many of us, we kind of float along on these other options and these other things, these other paradigms, and we don't put ourselves in this position. And by the way, when you come to worship, if you have nothing to say, if you have nothing to pour out from your heart, it means you don't see yourself as poor enough. Because the poor are desperate. The poor have nowhere else to go. And you and I have to see ourselves Through that lens And if we don't We will keep being Self-sustaining Trying to be self-sustaining That always goes wrong Look at the hymn book of Psalms Psalm 34, 6 says This poor man called and the Lord heard him He saved him out of all his troubles Psalm 40, verse 17 But as for me, I am poor and needy May the Lord think of me You are my help and my deliverer. You are my God. Do not delay. Psalm 82, verse 3, defend the weak and the fatherless. Uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed. Psalm 140, verse 12, I know that the Lord secures justice for the poor and upholds the cause of the needy. Psalm 113, 5 through 9 who is like the Lord our God the one who sits enthroned on high who stoops down to look on the heavens and the earth he raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap he seats them with princes with the princes of his people he settles the childless woman in her home as a happy mother of children praise the Lord Those who heard Jesus' opening words on that day On that hillside When he said the poor He was talking about the powerless The God-dependent Those who had no means of elevating themselves In any way, shape, or form This helps to explain Matthew's phrase Blessed are the poor in the spirit Versus Luke who records it just Blessed are the poor Matthew says something extra here But when you think it through You realize that the poor do indeed have a spirit about them. They are helpless. They don't don't have any other means. They must rely on another. Jesus picked the poor as his poster people. (laughs) The poster people for those who are blessed by receiving the kingdom to tell us that full reliance upon God is what opens us up to his rule in our lives as king. It's one of the only ways that we get to the place where we allow him to rule us as our king. That's why Jesus teaches that we should store up for ourselves. Just a little bit later in the Sermon on the Mount, he gets to this thing. He says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Because that's where true riches are actually found. In the place where God's rule is established. You want true riches? Enter the kingdom. Seek the kingdom first, he says. And then everything else is added. Everything else is given to you. See, that's the mindset that you need is a poor person. Okay, I got to not chase all the stuff i got to seek the kingdom first, enter the place of his rule as a poor person and then believe that God becomes my provider. God becomes the one who adds to me, to my life. He's the source of everything. And if you don't end up there, if you don't really seek first the kingdom, what happens is you end up relying on yourself. When we rely on ourselves, it's very difficult to surrender to God's rule because i got to do it. I got to get that done I got to I got to make that happen and you you become deaf to God's voice and his direction but the God reliant God dependent people are the ones who as one commentary put it I love it it says they gladly accept God's rule and enjoy the benefits they gladly accept God's rule and then enjoy the benefits I'll end with Eugene Peterson Writer of the Message Bible he says, he says Matthew 5, 3 this way He says You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope With less of you There's more of God And His rule Could it be that the reason You don't have enough of God and His rule Is because there's too much of you if you're at the end of your rope in this room and you're sitting here you're like Professor Ross, you're speaking right to me is there any way you could conceive of the idea that the blessing of God is his kingdom coming to you and providing where you couldn't see it coming I want us to take a moment and I want us to pray that God's kingdom would come that we would see ourselves as ones who need to be close we need to be close to the one who is the provider that we need to see ourselves in such a way that we could yield to God's rule because we know there are no other options in this life